Amen. Thank you, guys. It's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. My head leaks. Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. The uh, Clark family and the Thren family both have new CDs out. If anybody's interested, we'll get some of those in. It's always good to have good music in the home, and uh, we'll get those in here for you. And um, I listened to the Clark CD. I was on an airplane, and I was listening to it, and Brother Mike wrote a song. His daughter Kayla got married in February. Emily just got married in October, and she got married in February. They went to school together. And uh, he wrote a song called My Blessing. It's not good to be weeping on an airplane. <laughs> they think you're losing it. And uh, but just uh, some great, great songs and music there, how God has blessed us and, and to his glory. So I'd encourage you to get some good music, and it's always a blessing. The Clarks are always a blessing. The Friends are a blessing. So we'll get some of those in, and you can pick those up. Some have asked me, what are we doing tonight? Uh, it's supposed to be chicken on the grounds. And uh, you just heard that rain a minute ago in the thunder. Um, Brother Bob called me yesterday and said that if rain comes at all during that four-hour period we got the chicken on the grill, it's done. It puts the charcoal out and you can't do anything. And so that's half-cooked chicken and it goes in the garbage. There's nothing we can do about it. So um, we're going to, at noon, the sun is supposed to peak out. We will look at the radar and if it looks like we can get in a few hours, I'll talk to Brother Simmons, and he's the boss. We'll let him make the decision whether or not he thinks he can proceed. And he says, yeah, I'm the boss. He's not. And so uh, I said that for Donna's benefit, actually. And uh, she needs to hear that once in a while. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll decide. And, and uh, here's what we'll do. Here's our plan, all right? We will still come at 5 o'clock. The gym is set up. If you need to eat inside, that'll be fine. And, uh, but you'll just have to have a vegetarian meal. You can eat your salads and your sides and your dessert, okay? Uh, that's what we'll do tonight if there's no chicken. And uh, I, haven't, I haven't cleared this with Brother Simmons. I just said he's the boss, so I need to clear this with him. But if we can't do the chicken today, we will try again next week. But what we will do is tonight we've got the music and we've got the, the, the preacher in. But next week what we'll do is we'll barbecue the chicken. We'll take lawn chairs down in the backyard we will have Calvin and Sarah lead us in some hymns with guitars, and we'll just preach right down there and just have just kind of a picnic time and just a sweet time. Put our chairs in a circle. We'll eat chicken, uh, and then we'll be like the Israelites. They wanted quail. They wanted. They were sick of that light. We'll eat it until it comes out of our nostrils. That's what it says in the Bible. And so uh, we'll, just, we'll just have a good time down there. We'll eat it up, and then we'll just sing some hymns with guitars. We'll sing some a cappella. We'll just fellowship and have a good time, and then we will have a little bit of time in the Word of God down there. And so that's our, that's our kind of plan B, all right? I, I, from what I understand, I wasn't here for a big chunk in the middle, but for 35 years, we've never been rained out of chicken on the grounds. And they said it stopped raining right before we had to barbecue. And two minutes after we took it off the barbecue, it started raining, but never have we been rained out. And so uh, we'll, just, we'll just go ahead and play it by ear. But we'll look at the radar. And if we think we can squeeze in uh, a few hours of grilling, we will try. Uh, if it's just spitting or something, does that affect you? Or are you okay? It might mess up your hair, but other than that, I think we can... Get by with just a little bit, but let's, let's just uh, play by ear. So come at 5 o'clock and bring your sides. It might be all you get to eat. You can grab a hamburger on the way home if you have to have meat, okay? And so, but just come and we'll enjoy the fellowship. Matthew chapter 16. I, I'm really not sure 
why the Lord has led me to preach this message this morning. I, uh, I have 20 messages running through my head. We went down to the Northeast Vision Summit, and when you uh, get into places like that, the Spirit of God begins to move, and I just I wrote out sermons, and I wrote out ideas and different things, but for whatever reason, I, I can't seem to get past this passage, and so we're going to ask the Lord to show us why, and uh, so I have a, a message here, and we'll pray that it's the right one that the Lord wants. I, how, how many of you want the Lord to show up when we have church? Amen. And, and, and that's, that's the point. If the Lord doesn't show up, if the Spirit of God doesn't speak, then what is the point? And so uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 16. I want to thank Lori for being here this morning. Daniel got called away at the last minute on Friday. He had to be out of town for some work. And, and so um, Lori, it's tough for her to get away right now. Continue to pray for Mrs. Snively. And, and uh, Tony's home, I guess, with her. And, and uh, we appreciate him uh, ministering to her while Lori is here. So thank you, Lori. Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 13 with me. Look at verse 13 with me. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, and others, Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? We understand that passage, and this is not the part I'll be preaching on this morning. Lord Jesus Christ is making a very clear and valid point with his disciples. He asks first, who does everybody say that I am? They, my, my, uh, what I have been doing, the miracles I've been performing, and the works that are going forth in the name of the Father, they're starting to get around. People are hearing about them. And the disciples had just come back from going out in the name of Jesus Christ and healing the sick and casting out demons and such. And, and when they returned, he said, what does everybody say about me? Who do they think I am? They said, well, maybe it was Matthew who said, well, some say you're Elias. Maybe Peter said, well, I heard that somebody thought you were John the Baptist back from the dead. Maybe Thomas in the back said, well, I heard Jeremiah. But Jesus makes a very valid point, and he says, he, he doesn't use these words, but here's what he is saying. None of that matters. What matters is who do you say that I am? I can't impress upon your hearts enough this morning that it, the choice to follow Jesus Christ is a personal decision. Nobody can be saved on your behalf. You can't say, I grew up in a Christian home or a Christian country or I went to a Christian school or I grew up in the church. It, it doesn't matter. It is a personal decision. If I were to ask you, if I were to give you a call and say, well, what is it you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ? And you were to say, well, my church teaches... That's not the right answer. What do you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, my parents always taught me. No, that, that doesn't matter. Who do you say that he is? What has the Bible implanted in your heart about Jesus Christ? Do you know that he is your Savior, that it is a personal decision? Have you trusted him? Have you followed him? And so the Lord Jesus Christ says, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. What Jesus, I believe, is saying there is, Simon, 
Here, here's something that you understand that maybe others don't. I, I think the disciples did. But he, he's emphasizing the point I was just making to you. Flesh and blood didn't teach you this. You didn't get this from your mom, your dad. You didn't get this from a Sunday school teacher. You didn't get this from a church. The Father above has put this in your heart. In the dispensation we live in today, the Lord Jesus Christ would likely say, this has been revealed to you by the Spirit. The Spirit of God has revealed the truths of the Word and has put in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood never taught us that, but God taught us that. The Word taught us that. Notice as we read on in verse 18, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter. Peter means a stone. Petros, a stone. But he says, and upon this rock, Petra, a large boulder, I will build my church. Understand the picture that is taking place there. Peter, you're, you're just a small stone. But this statement you made, this profession of faith, this fact that you have come to understand that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, that is a boulder. When I think of the word Petra, I think of that place called Petra. It's not some small stone. It was carved out of the mountains in Jordan. And we can, we can picture that place and we've seen it in, in, in National Geographic or we've seen it on documentaries of that place that they carved out of the rocks and, and just a giant massive place that you think, well, if there was ever a, a hurricane, that's where I want to be. If there was ever an earthquake, I want to hide in those places. The Bible talks about how the Jews will one day flee to the mountains and some believe they'll go to that very place and hide themselves away. It's a place of protection, a place of security a firm foundation. And on this profession of faith, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he said, I will build my church. Think about that. An entire living, breathing organism built on one simple profession of faith. In other words, everybody that belongs to it must believe the same. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, this is not part of my message this morning. If it was, we would explore a little further that name Christ. It is the Greek word for the Old Testament Messiah, the Anointed One. He was the one that would come in the name of the Lord. He was one that would bring salvation. The Bible says neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven. We must be saved by the precious name of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him today, I would, I would implore you today to trust him before it's eternally too late. Just the other night, I heard a message preached uh, from Psalms chapter 2 about the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we were reminded that it is soon. All the things we look around, and, and listen, Christians are panicking Christians are worried about different things, whether to get the shot, whether not to get the shot, whether to, uh, to, to build up a storehouse of goods or whether to just wait and ride it out. Listen, friends, let me tell you this. Uh, all that stuff happens after the church is gone. Jesus is coming again. I heard a preacher put it this way. If there's some sort of technology that, that's coming on the market that says that's the mark of the beast, man, I'm investing in it because that means we're going first. I want to see the Lord. 
Those who know the Lord should not be worrying and fretting. Oh, that doesn't mean we don't count the costs. It doesn't mean that we don't take stock. And if the Lord says build an ark, we should build an ark. But Jesus is coming soon. But until then, he says we're to occupy until he comes. And how do we occupy? By being a part of his church. I will build my church. And here's the part I want to preach on for a few moments this morning. And the gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Lord, I've been encouraged this morning by the singing and the the specials. And Lord, I just pray that you would help that prepare our hearts. Lord, for the the message that is to follow. Lord, I heard another message this week that Judah shall plow. Judah means praise. And Judah shall plow, meaning that praise should go before and, and cultivate our hearts and make us ready to receive the seed of God's word. And I pray that that's been the case this morning. That the praise of our lips has been sweet to you, that the Spirit of God may move now and help us and teach us. Father, maybe there's one here today who needs to be saved. I, I, Lord, speak to their hearts. Help them. Maybe there's somebody here today that needs to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Somebody that needs to join a church. Oh God, I pray that you just help us, Lord, to get what we need from the Word of God today. And that the Spirit of God, Lord, not what we want, but what you know we need. So I surrender to you and ask that you might fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As far as the local church is concerned, everything starts with Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. Think about that. When we baptize somebody in the local church, we are signifying his death, his burial, and his resurrection. When we gather around the Lord's table, the Lord Jesus Christ commanded that we would continue to practice the Lord's table until he comes. Everything revolves around Jesus. We sing praise about Jesus. We glorify the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And so we must make him the very center point of our church. The Bible says, let him have preeminence in the church. Unto him, Ephesians 5, unto him be glory in the church. It's his church. And as we consider this phrase this morning or this one little verse, verse 18, he says unto Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Understand this, there's a lot of churches today without Jesus Christ, but there is no church, true church, without Jesus. I'm just going to spend a couple minutes just on that first phrase, and we're going to look at, first of all, the possessor of the church. Notice what the Bible says, it says, I will build whose church? My church. Do you know that this is the church of Jesus Christ? Not to be confused with the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints or the Church of Christ, the denomination that's all throughout the southern United States. It's it's not a Campbellite church. It's not a a Mormon-type church. But when I say the Church of Jesus Christ, I I just mean it belongs to him. 
The church was conceived in the mind of God. The Bible says in in Ephesians chapter 1 that God foreordained this plan of the local church and it was by his good pleasure that he would send his son Jesus Christ to save the souls of mankind that we might assemble together as a local church. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. Look if you will in Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. Turn over a couple pages and you will find the pastoral epistles and look at Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at another passage very quickly as well. But I just want to lay the foundation here quickly. Ephesians chapter 1, look down in verse 15. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. Now, right there, boy, I wasn't going to get into all this. He's speaking to the church at Ephesus. And he says, I heard of your faith. But you know, faith, did you know that faith is not enough? It's a specific faith that matters. He says, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. You're going to have faith in a lot of things and it won't save you. There's a lot of people today that are lost and dying and going to a Christless eternity. And they have all kinds of faith and all kinds of foolish things. But Paul the Apostle says to the church of Ephesus, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints. And he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention to you of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the of your understanding uh, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand and in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Listen, Jesus Christ is that name above all names and he's far above all principality and power and all other things. Notice what he says, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. How many of you are thankful that when you go to the doctor and you hear that word cancer, that Jesus' name is higher. He's a name above all names. When you hear the word bankruptcy, that's just a name, but he is a name above all names. Now look at the next verse with me as we continue to read verse 22. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Flip over to Colossians with me. I'm just wanting to lay some groundwork here. Look at Colossians chapter 1 as well. Colossians chapter 1. And I'm just going to skip for the sake of time down to verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. You said who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, glorious to his glorious power, strength according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood. And from here on out, he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ and he is the head of the body, verse 18, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He is the possessor of the church. This is Christ's church. I remember several years ago, we were purchasing a a building in Stony Creek or 
we moved into actually East Hamilton, and uh, God gave us the building that Pastor Eagles is that, there now for Faith Baptist Church, and, and uh, we were so excited to get this, this place. You know, we had, we had met in a scout hut. When we started the church, uh, Pastor Massacre uh, started the church, and we were there. And then uh, we moved to a United Church, and we rented their, their old Methodist chapel. We were there for seven years, I believe. And finally, God gave us a building. And we were so excited about it. I remember a lady coming to me. She wanted to be a help. And, and she says, uh, Pastor, when are you getting your church? I said, well, it's not my church. She says, we're not getting a church? I said, well... Yeah, we're getting a building, but it's the Lord's church. And I said, if you want to put it into personal pronouns, it's just as much your church as it is my church. Because we are a part of it. We are part of the body. But she had grown up in a Catholic church her whole life. She'd grown up in a, uh, her parents uh, both died. Her, husband, her father died in World War II, or World War I, sorry. And her mother died a year later of cancer. And she was orphaned at three years old and taken from Holland to Belgium and grew up in a convent. I mean, she was Catholic through and through. And she didn't understand the concept that Christ was the head of the church because the Pope was the head of the church. The priest was the head of the church. But no, friends, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Listen, no Pope, no priest, no pastor ever died for the church, never gave his life for the church, never shed his blood for the church. That is Jesus Christ. And he's the head of all things that consist under the church. He is to have the preeminence. It is his church. He is the possessor of it. Look at another thing, and we're moving quickly because I want to get to my main purpose this morning. Notice the purpose of the church. In Matthew chapter 16, he says, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You know what that word church means? It means an assembly. An assembly. If I were to throw out a survey today and say, what is the purpose of the local church? You might, you might give me, I might get 150 different answers. Some might say to, to, to win souls to Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing. To spread the gospel, to support missionaries, to worship the Lord together. Those are all good things. But I would say this, if we could summarize it this way, the purpose of the church is for God's people to assemble and carry out the will of God. That covers everything. Missions is part of the will of God. Soul winning is part of the will of God. Preaching the word, singing worship and praise unto God, those are all part of his purposes. But if we're going to summarize it today, we find it in that one word church, it is to assemble. Simply put, we are to gather together and to worship the Lord and to receive from the word of God. And you say, why? Because he is to have the preeminence. He is to have the praise. I just want to, I just want to say this morning, it was awful hard watching church in my living room. Now, I never, I'll, I'll, I'll preface my next comment with this. I never watched myself. I, I mean, uh, nobody wants to hear. <laughs> I don't like it when it comes out of my mouth. Why would I go back and hear it later? So I, I tried to watch somebody else. I'd watch Kenny Baldwin or Tony Shirley. We'd watch them online. So it wasn't that the preaching was a problem for me. The problem was not assembling. Not gathering with God's people. Not hearing voices united in one singing, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. It was a problem not being able to 
fellowship with people in the hallways and greet people as they came into church and, and to, to, to preach the word of God to, to faces. I can't tell you how many times we preached to an empty room. But it was heartbreaking to, to miss out on the assembly of God's people. And, and when, that, when that happens, by the way, we miss out on a lot of the mandates of the local church. How can we gather and say, let's have a missionary in and let's, let's talk about sending him to Mexico or somewhere and, and let's pray for this fellow. All of this was pushed aside. The purpose of the church, we must assemble. And I, I want to encourage some folks, if you're watching at home today, if you've become comfortable, you need to come back to church. You need to be around God's people. The internet might be encouraging, but it is not church. Watching a sermon online on a couch on a Sunday morning in your pajamas, don't lie to me, you all did it. It's not church. Church is an assembly, a gathering. Listen, there are people who came in this room today with burdens. You can't bear one another's burdens through a television screen. Can't do it. Somebody's weeping in their living room because their heart is broken. You can't go put your arm around them at the altar and pray with them. We miss so much by not being the church. Not assembling in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and singing his praises and lifting up his name. I'm going to tell you, and, and, and I'm not one about numbers. I'm going to be honest with you. I, most weeks I don't know what the attendance is. That's not important. I want the right spirit here. And I'll tell you this. If nobody shows up but the Lord's here, I'm thrilled. Not that I don't want you here. Don't get me wrong. Don't, well, pastor's thrilled. We're not coming. No, that's not what I said. Be careful. The number one person here is the Lord. I want him here. And if somebody's away or somebody's angry or somebody's up, I want the Lord here. But when the Lord's here, I want to be here. I want to gather with the saints. I want to be with him. We sang that song we just sang, Our Great Savior, with about 1,500 people this week. 1,500. I couldn't think it was so loud. I loved it. It just rang. Just something to stir your soul when people get together and sing praises unto God. Brother Paul, Brother Buddy wasn't there, but we still sang, I love the old Bible. Man, there's something to see a thousand Bibles in the air waving around. Incredible. We need the assembly of the church. I, I want to encourage you. Maybe you say, well, I, you know, I, I've got out of the habit. That, that's the wrong word. Church should never be a habit. You say, why? Because when something's a habit, you just do it over and over and over and over and over again because it's a habit. I brush my teeth every morning out of habit. You say, well, don't you enjoy it? No, not really. That toothpaste tastes terrible. And every once in a while I get older and my wife wants that whitening stuff and it's like drinking bleach. It's terrible. But you do it out of habit every day. Do you? Comb your hair every day. You know, you do different... Church shouldn't be a habit. It should be a priority. It should be important. 
Listen, if church isn't a priority for you, your kids will see that. And you'll wonder why you'll wake up wondering one day, well, why don't, why don't my kids go to church? They only go Christmas and Easter, and then now my grandkids, they don't want to go at all. It's not a habit, it's a priority. It's important. I got off on that too long. Look at this here. I want you to notice the third thing, the protection. The protection of the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to give you a couple things here. We're going to stop here for a moment. I want you to notice, first of all, the manifestation of problems. The manifestation of problems. I think sometimes we get the idea. How many, how many of you picture when the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, you picture fiery gates in your mind? Anybody do that? Go ahead, raise your hand. I did. Sure. How many of you picture a little red character with horns and a pitchfork throwing spears at the church? Here's the truth. The gates of hell are often manifest in people. It's often manifest in people. So when we think about the manifestation of problems, I think about external attacks, persecution against the church. If I could encourage you to read a book sometime, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. And read about a people that were willing to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Many of them for no other reason that they weren't following the one true church. Killed by those who thought they were doing the work of God. Burning people at the stake and killing people and putting them in prison for not getting a license to preach like John Bunyan. And on and on we see throughout the century hundreds, yea, thousands of people that gave their lives for the sake of Christ. And this wasn't from a place called hell. This wasn't necessarily the devil with a pitchfork. This was people who thought they were doing the work of God. Religion falsely so called. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Fake and phony. But it's not just external attacks, it's internal turmoil. Carnal, fleshly quarrels in the church. I'll tell you this, just from my observation, more Christians have closed Bible-preaching churches than the devil ever has. Get arguing and fighting over silly things, and the next thing you know, the church is gone. A fellow I went to Bible college with, you can pray for Daniel Elliott. Daniel's name came up several years ago in prayer. He had a little girl, same age as Bethany, who came down with a very rare cancer over in Mongolia. They were on the mission field. And she came home and died in Missouri nine or ten years ago now. Daniel, I was his, I was his RA, his supervisor on his floor. And uh, I know it's amazing they put me in charge of anybody. And uh, Daniel, uh, I hope he's not listening. He was just one of those guys, I'm going to be honest with you, and I, I owe Daniel an apology, I guess. I just never thought he'd go anywhere. He's such an unassuming guy. Just didn't seem to have the spit and polish that some of the other preachers had there, you know, and you 
you looked at some and said, boy, look at, man, they got it all. They're going to preach and they're going to go. They're out of the ministry now. But Daniel just gave his life to love the Lord and to serve and ended up in several years in Mongolia translating Bible curriculum for children so that they could have the Bible. He worked with Dr. Keene in First Bible International, and he worked with a missionary there for two terms, eight years. And once he had all this curriculum translated, Dr. Keene said, would you come to Korea and do the same thing? So he went to Korea. And now, because of COVID, they won't renew their visas any longer. They won't let them back into Korea. So he's trying to come to Canada. He wants to go to Winnipeg. There's a church there, and they needed a pastor. The pastor was 71 years old and wanting to retire. The church caught wind that the pastor was retiring, and they said, this half over here said, well, this is what we want in a church going forward, and this section said, we want this, and this section said, we want this, and I don't think any of the three of them lined up with what the Bible said. You see, what happened? It took seven days, and they voted to close the church. One Sunday, the pastor announced his resignation, And there was so much fighting and turmoil in the church in one week that they closed the church the next Sunday. Listen, carnal, fleshly spirits have closed more churches than the devil ever has. We say, well, the gates of hell shall not prevail. But an unbiblical church is not a church. And it will close. The manifestation of problems, but I see when I think about this, I think of also the misapplication of the promise. Somebody said, Well, the gates of hell, we you know, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Isn't that wonderful? We just go to church the rest of our lives and never worry about it closing. Listen, friend, that doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want in the church. Somebody says, Well, why not? The gates of hell won't prevail. When we start doing whatever we want, we are no longer a church. We have to follow the Bible. We have to seek God's will and God's face for the church. Too many have gone astray and they're doing whatever they want in the local church. And all of a sudden God says, you're not a church anymore. And it closes. A church, remember, is a group that assembles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ under a common banner of salvation, exalting the Lord and and fulfilling his will for ministry. And when we stop doing that, we are no longer a church and the gates of hell will prevail. Somebody might say, well, why did that church over there close? I don't know all the ins and outs, but I know this. Somewhere along the line, they went off track because if they were a biblical church, the Bible says gates of hell will never prevail against them. They're missing out somewhere. They stopped praising. They stopped preaching. They stopped considering the whole counsel of God. They stopped calling sin by its first name. What Oh, there's so many today that are permissive about sinful behavior and welcoming it into the church. Well, just God loves everybody. Yes, he loves everybody. That's why he died for their sins and paid the price. We should no longer continue in sin that grace may abound. God forbid. There's a reckoning coming. The Bible says a judgment will start at the house of God. It's not a license to behave how we wish. It's not a permission to bring glory to other people. The key is if if the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church, it is his church. 
And he must be preeminent. He must receive the glory. You might say, well, I've seen churches fall and I've seen churches close and I've seen churches that have departed from the gospel and perhaps they close because they fail to continue as a biblical church. I pray by the grace of God that we would never fail to be a church. Fulfilling the mandates of God. But let me give you this last thing. Notice the mandate and the promise. What is a church then? How do we continue? I'm just going to give you simple things, very simple, very quickly. Number one, it's a church that gathers. A church that gathers. That's what the word church means. If we're going to continue to be a church, we must gather. Now, we have, we have live stream. You say, why do you have live stream? Because there's some folks that are ill, can't make it to church. I understand that. I think sometimes, good to see Brother Patterson here this morning. I'm not sure he's awake, but he's here. Amen. These folks work around the clock during harvest. And I, and I could imagine that there's sometimes he drags himself out of that greenhouse two minutes before church starts and says, I, I just have to watch online today. I can't get there in time. Hey, we understand those things. There's people at home on their, on their deathbeds. I was so thrilled to hear Ray Austin the night before he died. He was tapping his foot with the old hymns. Still getting to watch. But listen... We must assemble. If we're going to continue to be a church, we must assemble. We must bear one another's burdens. You say, what, what, where should we assemble? Listen, the most important meeting of the week is prayer meeting. Where we actually pray. That's the most important. That's the fuel of the church. That's the furnace room that keeps things hot. Somebody said, you want a better preacher? Pray for the one you got. You want a better marriage? Pray for the one you got. You want a better church? Pray for the one you got. Most important meeting is when we gather and we spend the time with the Lord in prayer. And so the mandate and the promises, the word church means one that gathers. Look at Matthew chapter 18. This just jumped out at me uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 15. I'm almost done. We call this the church discipline passage. I would caution you. I believe this is an appropriate way to deal with trespasses. But the Bible says there's more than just trespasses. There's trespasses, there's sins, there's oughts, and offenses. That's a whole different message. But notice what he says about trespasses. Verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Listen, that doesn't say sin. He said, well, trespasses and sins are the same thing, aren't they? No, they're not. They're a little different, or else it would be the same word. If a brother trespass against you in this sense, just means if he's done you wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean he sinned against you. It's not like he, it's not saying he stole your wife or something, but maybe it was just something he did and you didn't even, he didn't realize it. Sometimes we just are unkind and don't know it. Just go to him. Don't let there be something between you. If he's trespassed against you, so he says, if thy brother trespassed against you, go to him and uh, verse. Uh, 15, tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained the brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. 
Now listen, if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. He said, what does that mean? It means you put him out of the church. In 1 Corinthians 5, we see the Apostle Paul has some stronger language. In 1 Corinthians 5, he is rebuking the church of Corinth because he says there's immorality that's not fit to be named among the heathen. He says that one man should have his father's wife. He says you have... He says, you have rejoiced in this rather than grieved and sorrowed. He said, how, how, what do you mean? Why would they rejoice? Here's what they do. Well, aren't we just a loving church and we just let everybody come? That's what they're doing today. It's not a new problem. It happened way back in the church of Corinth. And he said this, you should have rather put him out for the destruction of his flesh. And I said, I'm not trying to preach hard on church discipline. I'm trying to illustrate a point here this morning. Listen, listen, listen. The harshest thing a local church can do to discipline its saved membership is to put them out of the church. Why in the world would you take yourself out then? Do you hear what I said? Why would you stay at home? And not come to church. The worst thing I could ever, a Bethel Baptist church could ever do to discipline you for sin or trespasses is to say, we need to put you out for the destruction of your flesh. And there's so many people in the world today say, well, I'm not going to bother going to church. You know what's happening to them? Their flesh is being destructed. Why would you choose that? The church is a shelter in the time of storm. It is the rock upon which I stand because it is founded on the rock Jesus Christ. It is that place that I can come and and pour out my heart and bear one another's burdens. It's a place that I come and I can hear the ensemble sing about the blood of Jesus Christ. And I can hear the choir lift up the name of Jesus. And I can hear the congregation praise his holy name. That's what we need. It's a place where we gather The mandate of the promise is simply this, that a church that gathers, but secondly, it's a church that gathers, listen, in his name. Matthew 18 also says that where two or three are gathered in my name. Well, it starts to be bound in heavens, or bound on earth shall be bound in heaven, where it should be loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. There's power in gathering in the name of Jesus Christ. You try that in your living room. You try that in some other place you know we meet in coffee shops and have bible studies and i'm not i'm not against those things but don't don't mistake that for church we need to assemble but we need to make sure when we assemble we assemble in his name there are buildings all throughout our country that have the word assembly on the front they say where the greek word church ecclesia that we have anglicized in the word church literally means assembly but do they have God in there? That's what I want. I want to come to a place where God is. Where his spirit is moving and stirring. We don't just assemble. We don't just get together to have chicken. I like chicken, don't get me wrong. We don't get together just to, to have fun and fellowship. There's nothing wrong with those things. We get together with me with God. To get into his presence It's a church that assembles. It's a church that assembles in his name, but it's a church that gathers for his glory. 
Can I say this? Praise and essential are worship. Praise and worship are essential. I want to say that, and I mean it with all my heart. We heard a message this week called Judah Shall Plow. It says that in the book of Hosea. Judah's name means praise. Think about that. Farmers understand that you plow a field before you plant a seed. We must praise God before anything else happens. I try, I don't know if I'm always successful, but I try to pick every, the first song of every service is one that praises his name or praises God for something. I want to make sure that, that we are on the right track. We want to praise him and worship him. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, both congregational and special. Now, if you're carnal, if you're carnal, singing is just a filler. Specials are just entertainment if you're carnal. But to the spiritual, they are worship and edification. Edification. Not entertainment, edification. It has a lot to do with our heart. Man, I love. I love, there's times where I love getting up and singing my guts out. Mrs. Dorkson used to say, you can't say guts from the pulpit, I'm sorry. Sing my heart out. I love singing. I, I love, I brought these others up here during when we were doing live streaming because I thought otherwise I'm just going to sing a solo all the time. But I've learned, uh, I'm up here and I hear Kelvin and Kevin's bass coming through. And I hear Judy's soprano and I hear Donna's harmonies and the Haywards and I just, man, mm, gives me chills. So sometimes we'll stop and say, let's just sing that a cappella. I just want to hear the voices. It edifies me. It helps me. But I also love just sitting and listening. Hearing other people worship. I said to my wife, sometimes I can't look at you during the service because I see, I see you put your hand up and I, I almost start crying. I got to look away. I, said, just, I just rejoice to see people praising God. Let's never lose that or we cease to be a church. He is to have the preeminence. He is to have the glory. In the church, we are a church that gathers for his glory and worship is essential. The spirit leading us and filling us is essential. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. About eight years ago, I'm going to be honest with you, for years and years and years that I pastored, we'd have something going on in church. Music would just touch my heart. And I'd be sitting there, or the church in Hamilton, I'd be sitting over, and the Lord would say, hey, talk about this. Get up and do this for a few minutes. And I was scared to death. Because I thought, well, Lord, I'll be done in five minutes. That's not what I put in my outline. And so I, I disobeyed the Lord several times. Just didn't, just didn't follow. And then a couple times, I, about eight years ago, I was sitting up here, and we had two or three songs. It was the night we were having the Lord's table. We had it all scheduled out. We we're going to sing this song, this song. Choir is going to sing here, and this going to, and there's a special right there. And we had it all laid out. And the Lord just spoke to my heart, and he said, preach right now. The choir had sang and just gone down, and we had only had about two songs, and the Lord just said, preach now. And so I thought, okay. So I got up and I preached. Then we had a couple more songs and we had the Lord's table and it just the Lord just seemed to bless it. It went well. And somebody, one of my staff, received a complaint. 
Somebody said something about the order of service, and he said, what order? What order? Another time, somebody was upset because I preached without using the message I'd prepared. The Lord just stirred my heart, and I just felt like I needed to preach something else, and I just tried to obey the Spirit of God, and he says, I don't like... By the way, complaints always get back to me. I wish they wouldn't. I'd rather not hear. He said, I don't like that spirit preaching he does. That's fine. We don't all have to agree. But here's what I know. I don't like it when the Spirit of God doesn't show up. I'd sure rather he come. And if it messes up my order of service, who cares? If it messes up my carefully outlined and alliterated message, so what? I'd rather he come than he not come. But he's not going to come if we're not a biblical church. We gather, we gather in his name, but we better be sure we gather for his glory to give him praise, to give him worship, to hear from his word. The ministry of the word is essential. Biblical prayer is essential. There's so much that we could say about the church. But let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I've kept you long enough. If you ever come to church for any length of time, And say, I just don't think the Lord ever shows up in that place. I'd never go back to that church. I'd never want to be there. That's not church. It is his church. I will build my church. It's a place to worship and glorify him. Yes, we're a family, and so we say happy birthday and happy anniversary. And we sometimes mention other people. But our focus ought to be on the very glory of God and what Jesus did for us. Lord, as you begin to play, if God has put your heart, the altar's open. Could I encourage you to pray? Listen, this church is celebrating its 89th anniversary this year. The truth is, it existed in storefronts and other places for five years before that. 89 years ago is when Pastor Pipe organized the church. 94 years there's been a lighthouse in this community. I sure don't want it to stop. Friends, I'm not saying get back into church if you're listening online because I'm concerned about numbers. I don't know what the attendance was last Sunday. That doesn't matter. I'm saying for your benefit and for the benefits of those in this room, they need to bear your burdens with you. They need to pray with you. They need to sing with you. They need to praise with you. It's God's house, God's church. It's his assembly. Pray.